I want to thank you for joining into our Bible study this evening, and I want to encourage you to have your Bibles open to James chapter 3 as we continue our study that I'm calling Fighting Fire because it raises our awareness that we are engaged in a battle to control our tongue, which is as a fire in its capacity to do great damage. That analogy is drawn directly from James chapter 3. And tonight we're going to study a segment of verses that are going to be shocking. I say that sarcastically because James acknowledges and recognizes hypocrisy within the church. The audacity of James to point out hypocrisy within the church. Well, the fact is, all of us have some of that in our lives. And it is intriguing to me what James points out. He's matter of fact. He's direct. It's convicting. The reality is such that what James has seen going on in the church is a contradiction. That people are coming to church and they are blessing God. And then when the worship service ends, they find themselves in situations where they are cursing other people. And James directly says, these things ought not so to be. He will not tolerate this because the Holy Spirit will not tolerate this. It's a striking thing that he points out, and I want you to notice with me in verse 9 what he says. Now, he's talking about the tongue, our mouths, therewith, with that tongue, bless we God, even the Father, and therewith, with the tongue, we curse men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Doth a fountain send forth at the same place, or at the same place, sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either a vine, figs? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. I referenced that this passage of Scripture is sermonic in the sense that this is probably a message that James preached, and in a way, it's transcribed for us. It's, of course, Holy Spirit-inspired Scripture. But I can hear the direct tone within those verses. I know that he's talking to believers. He's referenced them as my brethren, my brothers, my family in Christ. I see a behavior that needs to change. I see something in you that's not right. This must be addressed. The Holy Spirit will not tolerate the fact that with our mouths we both bless and we curse. This is contradictory. We should not be doing that. That's what he said. With the tongue, bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Now, I kind of like what James does. He says in here, bless we God, curse we men. He's not preaching down at the church. 
He's acknowledging with that plural pronoun, this is a battle for all of us. He's including himself in that. He's not speaking down to them. This is not a condescending tone. He's acknowledging that we all do this. I like what one Greek scholar said when he was writing on this verse. He said, we all have two dogs inside of us, a good dog and a bad dog. And they both want to bark through the same mouth. We have an old nature inside of us. As believers, we are new creatures. We have a renewed part of us. And and the fact is, we must exhibit the Holy Spirit and God-honoring words with how we use our mouths. With the same mouth, we both bless and curse shouldn't be. What does he mean when he says we bless and we curse? Well, he says specifically we bless God, even the Father. The word that is used there is an interesting study. The word that is used there gives us our transliterated word, eulogy, the Greek word that's used. In effect, it literally means good words. When we eulogize someone at a funeral, we say good words about them. And what he is saying to us, specifically in this verse, is within the worship setting, within within the confines of the church, that would be us here, we are speaking good words about God, even the Father. In fact, according to custom, whenever God's name was mentioned, a Jew would have responded, blessed be he, blessed be he. In fact, as I studied, I found that three times a day, devout Jews would pray prayers called eulogies, and every one of them began with the words, Blessed be thou, O God. So if someone used the name of God, they would say, Blessed be he. It was a ritual. It was a habit. It was a custom that they would three times a day begin a prayer with, Blessed be thou, O God. And he's acknowledging, I hear, it's obvious, that out of that mouth comes blessing of God, even the Father. Blessed be he, blessed be he. That probably would have been said within the service as he referenced this within his message. And then he rounds a corner. It happens quick. It happens in staccato, quick fashion. But he says, and we curse. Now, you might be thinking, well, I'm off the hook. I don't use any profanity. I don't use any vulgarity. That's not part of my vocabulary. Oh, but wait. The word that he uses there is not in reference to profanity, nor is it in reference to vulgarity. There's another little nuance to that word. And what he is talking about in specific literally is slander, gossip, and accusation. And again, in this context, he's saying this is going on within the church. This is going on amongst believers. This is trickling to the outside. As one wrote, there's another nuance that the Christian that does this kind of cursing considers themselves to be above other Christians. In other words, the one calling down curses or unkind words, is viewing himself as higher than the one that he is demeaning. 
You are, when you speak these words, he wrote, in your own mind, placing yourself on a pedestal above your fellow man, you are speaking down to them. I think that nuance is important. And I tie it back to James even using the plural pronoun. He is not speaking to the church in a condescending fashion. He is acknowledging that he's in this battle. And he is saying some of the root cause of these words of cursing that come out, slander and gossip and accusation, are actually rooted in your proud heart. You have begun to view yourself as higher than others or you're trying to convince yourself that you're better than someone else and to slander, gossip about, or accuse solidifies that sensation, that feeling about yourself in your own mind and heart. It's a tragic thing. Now he's just painting very vividly. He's painting very vividly. Out of the same mouth, with the tongue, we both bless and we curse. We speak good words about God and we're intentional about it and we curse, we slander, we gossip, we accuse men. Now, hold on because it's seemingly like two standards are being communicated. We bless God, even the Father, okay, and we curse men. And maybe we're thinking to ourselves, well, at least we don't curse God. At least we're not cursing even the Father, But then he tacks on this phrase, which are made after the similitude of God. With the mouth, we bless God, even the Father, and with the mouth, we curse men, which are made after the similitude, in the likeness of God. This takes us all the way back to Genesis, that inner Trinitarian dialogue, let us make man in our image, made in the image and the likeness of God. That's an interesting thing. Let me read what one scholar wrote. He said, The perfect tense of the verb in verse 9, who are made, means that the image of God seen in mankind's unique qualities of conscience and moral reasoning and objective will were not totally obliterated from humanity by the fall of Adam. James is saying, All creatures, of all creatures, should we not only think about what we are saying, but we should also consider to whom we are saying it. We're saying it to a creature, to a human, who is made in the likeness of God. Now hold on. He went on and he said this, and I think it's a beautiful illustration. Think of it this way. You've been invited to dinner at someone's home. You walk past a painting that's hanging on the wall and you say, boy, I hope he didn't pay a lot for that painting. It's horrible. Only to discover, he wrote, that the artist is your host and he overheard you. Would you say to him, look, don't take it so hard. I wasn't criticizing you. I was only criticizing your work. No, the truth is you'd be embarrassed. I'd be embarrassed. We would feel a sense of shame. Because we recognize that to criticize the work of the artist is to criticize the artist. And that is exactly explicitly what that scholar wants us to see. He's amplifying what James is saying in this verse. We curse men and those men that we curse are made in the likeness of God. That is incredibly audacious to be criticizing the work 
of the perfect creator. With the same mouth, we are habitually, publicly, overtly blessing God, even the Father. And with that same mouth, we are cursing men, which are made in the similitude, in the likeness of God. We're cursing his work. God wants us to speak to each other in such a way as to honor him. God is as interested in what we say to each other as what we say to him. Think about that for a second. That's what James is communicating. That's what's being articulated. God is as interested in what we say to each other as he is in what we say about him. It's all tied together in this verse. So he's laid this groundwork. This is already convicting stuff. And then he takes what I would say is a parental tone. It's certainly an authoritative tone. When he says in verse 10, Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, he's talking to believers, he's directing this to the church. These things ought not so to be. This is very strong language. In the Greek, this is communicating real negativity. This should not be the case. I don't think we fully comprehend the damage of accusing, of gossiping. I don't know that we fully comprehend how much damage we do. That's why we have to stay within the context, stay within the study, and grasp that this tongue that we have is a little fire What a great matter a little fire kindleth. What an incredible amount of destruction our little tongue can do. It's literally setting the direction of our lives. It's affecting us on every level. And we should not be cursing others. That's really the thrust of this. There's no excuse My brethren, you have the Holy Spirit indwelling you. You are a new creature. You have a renewed tongue. Your mouth should not be cursing. That's what he's saying. There's no loophole there. There's no excuse there. Your mouth should not be cursing. These things ought not so to be. Now, what he'll do is he'll really send home this passage, this this truth with some pictures. Just like a teacher. Now he's spitting out. He's using illustrations. And he gets to verse 11 and he begins to ask with these pictures. He's, he's conjuring up images in our imaginations and he's asking us really rhetorical questions. Doth a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? The answer to that is no. Now, he's speaking these really rapidly. He moves right on. Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries? Now, when he throws in my brethren in there, that's where I hear the sermonic tone. That's where I'm reminded that he's preaching. Again, it's a rhetorical question. He's teaching. He's using these pictures, illustrations, so that people really lock in on what he's trying to communicate. Now, he moves right on. Either a vine figs. Can a fig tree bear olive berries? Can a vine produce figs? The answer is no. And he'll say that so can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. This is pretty self-explanatory stuff. This can't. This should not be going on. One author said within the mountain of self, there is a great struggle. 
if there are two dogs within us, a good dog and a bad dog, fighting over who barks out, he says there's only one opening. Two streams within us, one opening, a bitter and, and a clean, a pure stream within us, but only one opening. It is interesting. It's been pointed out a million times. We've been given two ears and one mouth. We're supposed to listen more than we speak. And, and if we had the intention for it to be okay to have one mouth that cursed and one mouth that blessed, we'd have two mouths. But we have only one. But we have two streams within us that are looking to gush out of the same fountain. And the Holy Spirit can help us dam up the one stream and allow the other stream, the stream of blessing, to flow out. The question would be here, what kind of fountain are you going to be? Now he asks again, can a fig tree, can a fig tree produce olive berries? Can a vine produce figs? The answer is no. A vine is going to produce grapes and a fig tree is going to produce figs. That's what he's wanting us to see. Pointedly, that's what he wants. What he's using here is a scriptural analogy that goes all the way back to the Old Testament, which is root and fruit. We can tell what kind of vine or what kind of tree we're looking at by the fruit that the tree produces, because a fig tree is going to produce figs. And we know it's a fig tree because there's figs on the tree. And he is saying to us in this analogy, you know how I can tell you're a believer? You know how I can tell you're spiritually mature? You know how I can tell you're under control of the Holy Spirit and not capitulating to the flesh? I can tell the root and I can tell the type of tree you are by the fruit that I, in this case, hear. Pretty straight talk. I can tell your spiritual temperature by listening to your mouth. We know this, do we not? I think all of us have some internal system of standards. We know negative people. We know cheerful people. I think we probably at times assess fake people or sincere people. We know nice people and we know mean people. And the truth is, we know. And those of us that have the Holy Spirit inside us, he leads and guides and and shows us when we're around those individuals who are dominated by slander, accusation, gossip, evil speaking. And what he is saying is, you know a lot about that person's spiritual maturity. You know about the temperature of their heart by checking out the fruit. Just know what they are by viewing the fruit. He closes, and I think he's kind of tying it back to his first image, his first analogy here, that that literally a salt spring or or salt water and fresh water, they're not going to come out of the same spring. And, and that means that only a believer who is controlled by the Spirit of God can bear the fruit of the Spirit, love and joy and peace and meekness and long-suffering and gentleness. Think, think of the fruits of the Spirit. And I find this interesting. And we studied the fruits of the Spirit at length this year. The fruit of the Spirit is most often visible in the words that come out of our mouth. Love and joy and peace and long-suffering and gentleness. and kind. Think of how evident the fruit of the Spirit is by our mouths. That's why Solomon wrote, The tongue of the wise is health. 
Paul, writing to the believers at Colossae, said to them, Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man. There isn't a conversation where our speech should not be gracious. Let it be always with grace. Always seasoned with salt. Always words of preservation, not corruption. Words that edify, don't destroy. If I really, really grade myself, I fail at this. I'm around people. I'm engaged in a lot of conversations. We all fail at this. In fact, I wonder at times if we took away as a topic of conversation other people, other people's behaviors, other people's wins, other people's losses, other people's successes, other people's failings, other people's spirituality, other people's sinfulness. What would we talk about? What would we even talk about? Our speech should always be gracious. Always. I think it's interesting to get really practical. There was a commentator on this passage who listed out things. I won't read it. It's He's little exhaustive with it, but here's some things that we shouldn't say to each other. I told you so. It can be condescending. I can talk to you until I'm blue in the face, but it doesn't do any good. You're always in a bad mood. And the reality is they're not always in a bad mood. I can't do anything to please you. What were you thinking? What's your problem? You'll never amount to anything. I don't know why I put up with you. All you ever do is think about yourself. That was really stupid. Can't you see that I'm busy? Can't you ever do anything right? Don't you ever listen? It's all your fault. Go away. You'll never change. Those are not gracious words. How many times do you find yourself talking to your spouse or your kids or your parents or your coworkers, or about other people like that. I kind of want to pause for effect and make us think about the words that are coming out of our mouth. Therewith, with the tongue, we bless God, even the Father, and we're habitual and we're public and we're vocal about it. Blessed be he, blessed be he. And therewith, curse we men, we slander, we accuse, we gossip, we with malice speak evil of others. And what we must grasp is those that we are speaking evil about are made in the likeness of God. We're actually attacking the creator, the artist. That's what James wants us to see. Out of the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Accept this confrontation. Humble yourself and accept this confrontation. Think of it, he says. Can a fountain send forth bitter and sweet water? Can a fig tree give up olive berries? Can a vine produce figs? A salt spring's not going to send forth pure water. It's going to send forth salt water. We have to, under the power of the Holy Spirit, under under, 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 bringing under our body, mortifying the deeds of the flesh, have our words always with grace. This is confrontational. This is sermonic. It's appreciated if we're humble. It's something that every single one of us 
need to work on. And may God help us do just that. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the truth of your word. This is challenging scripture for all of us. May we be humble now and confess. Help us this week. Help us this hour. Help us the remainder of this day to have gracious words, to change the arc of our lives by being under the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening this week to the Graceway Baptist Church podcast. For more information about our church and our ministries, head on over to our website at gracewaycharlotte.org. We are a church located in South Charlotte. We are growing and our ministries are doing big things for Christ. If you're looking for a way to get plugged into what we're doing, email us at info at gracewaycharlotte.org. Also, stay in the loop with everything happening by following us on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle is Graceway Charlotte. Thanks again for listening to the Graceway Charlotte podcast. We'll see you next week.